everyone, and welcome back to The Geek Wave. This is the low-budget show. It's the show solo. It has no budget. We're back at it, folks. I was just about to say we took some time off, but we didn't take some time off. It just feels like it's been a while, because I recorded that last one a very long time ago. And I say that, it's been like a week. I don't know, been a weird couple of days. Just been busy, been packed, swamped full of other stuff to do, sitting down to record The Geek Wave. This might be one of my favorite news weeks we've ever get to talk about because everything is so interesting that we're going to be covering. And I don't know, I'm just kind of excited about like the state of movies at the moment. Shazam and Ant-Man aren't doing too good. Scream and Creed are doing great. 65 was really awesome. An Air Jordan movie's coming out. I just watched that pinball movie, which was really fun. And you know, Tetris is soon. So like, what else is there to do? Great time to be alive, if you ask me. A lot of good movies. We got some cool topics to talk about, including our big franchise versus apocalypse, where we take franchises, shove them into an apocalypse. It's exciting. We're having a good time. We have a couple of news pieces we need to talk about first, and a lot of big stuff here that's actually bigger than you might be expecting. This is all very important news, because it kind of talks about like the current state of movies in particular, like the popular dogs at the moment that are at the park. It's kind of cool. So for starters, Quentin Tarantino. You guys familiar with this guy? You know him? You Tarantino fans out there? Probably. I'm sure the majority of my listeners and the majority of people who are like extravagant movie going audiences love Quentin Tarantino. I'm not as like big fan as him as some people. I'm just not. I've never loved him like other people do. Tarantino has announced his 10th movie, which is kind of his 11th movie, if you look at his entire career, not even the 11th thing he directed or was a part of, so he's had a few other movies, but his next movie is aptly titled The Movie Critic, it's going to follow a movie critic during like the 70s era, cool, they're saying female lead, so everyone's thinking, oh, it's going to be Pauline Kael, and I'm like, probably, he likes his alternative history, and I'm like, okay, okay. I don't know. So when it came to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, a movie that I really enjoy, I was never as like obsessed with it or think it's like a brilliant masterpiece as other people. I've seen it a bunch of times with a bunch of different audiences, friends, family, just a a general movie going experience. And every time, every person I've seen it with has like the same reaction of like, wow, this is like transcendent. It's like so brilliant. But I'm just like, is it? It's about the same level as some of his other works. I think to him, it's his most personal because he's talking about the thing he was emulating in his other works, and that's what he likes to do. So, I don't know, maybe it's just because, like, I've never been the Tarantino guy. I don't get excited when I'm hearing Tarantino is going to do a movie talking about a movie critic. It seems a little too like a hat on a hat. Where it's like, I'm one of the best filmmakers ever made. Only I can tell a story about the people that criticize movies. And if you're going to do that, you have to do it a couple of ways. One, are you going to actually, if it's based on Pauline, like we're all thinking it is, are you going to have it where we're going to actually have clips of her reviewing and talking about these movies at length? Or is it going to be like an alternative history where it's going to be how Tarantino views these movies. It's going to be like him speaking through the critic, talking about the movies that he grew up watching and, and respecting. Either way, I'm not sure how I feel about this. It doesn't excite me. 
It doesn't make me go, oh yeah, cool, finally. The story he's been dying to tell, the one about the movie critic, I don't get that from him. I just don't. I don't think this is going to be like the most exciting film ever made. So I can't say like, I'm like, yes, let's do it. Let's go. He's apparently written it. He says it's going to be his final film. That's a lie. You're a young man. You are going to be tempted by some sort of thing. Whatever it is, you are definitely going to be making some weird Western or crime drama on a streaming service limited series. I have no doubt in my mind he is going to do that at some point. I am just not excited for this. You know, I think, I don't maybe because I'm just like, I've been, wa- I've watched like every big movie from every big director. I'm like, I don't know if I'm like super jazzed for the next one. I'm just kind of like, yeah, of course I'm going to see Oppenheimer. That doesn't get me like pumped up to see the next big thing from Nolan. I'm going to see it. Like I- I'm more excited for like that other movie I don't know anything about. So when Tarantino was like, I'm making a new one about movie critics. I'm not jumping out of my seat going, yes, finally, dude. I'm like, yeah, of course you are. Why wouldn't you? You've talked about everything else. Why not talk about the one thing that you've been on and off with for a while now? It's like critics liking your work and you liking critics and all that stuff. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I don't think I love that. But either way, cool, man. You've wanted to do that for a while. Now, Tarantino's got a movie lined up probably. We don't know where exactly it's going. But let's move over to another filmmaker who's having an interesting time with her movie. We have Nancy Meyer, who is a very fun director, very like old school rom-com feels for the modern generation. If you haven't seen any of her movies, I recommend doing so. She's very talented. A lot of her recent ones was The Intern. Was that her most recent one? I don't think it was, but she's a cool director. I do like her work. Here's the thing about her. She was tapped to make a huge movie at Netflix. We're talking $130 million movie at Netflix, right? Nancy Meyer, a rom-com legend, is going to be making a $130 million movie at Netflix. Netflix scrapped it. They weren't going to pay her the budget, but, you know, we're going to give the Russos 250 whatever the fuck million to make The Gray Man. We're going to give all these other big action stars their money to make Burn Notice or to make Red Notice or whatever it's called. We'll give it to the action and to the men. And look, this isn't me trying to be like, Netflix just doesn't want to like buy into a rom-com. She is a named director who has made money. Why are you not giving her the money you're giving to other people? That's a weird thing I don't really like. So I guess the budgetary reasons, because like Scarlett Johansson was attached to this, Fassbender was attached to this, Owen Wilson, big names who are bumping up the budget to that $130 million. So Netflix was like, no, we can only give... Our huge budgets to Ryan Reynolds and The Rock, The Russos, and Chris Evans. We can't give it to a no-named actress like Scarlett Johansson or no-named director like Nancy Myers. We have to give it to the guys who make big action movies. So they said, no, you're not getting a movie on Netflix. So they scrapped it. She's like, shit. Apparently, she's had a meeting with Warner Brothers, and this movie we now have a name. It is called Paramount Paris. And it's, I don't want to get into like what Paramount Paris is like all about and all that stuff, but it's like, okay, it's kind of like an old school rom comish vibe, you know, that kind of movie we don't really green light anymore. For the same budget that they were looking at, I'm guessing she's going to get a lower budget to pay the salaries of the actors. Maybe some of them will take a pay cut, but I don't, I don't believe that's going to be the case. And 
it's based on a quote from like a famous playwright or like a poet or something. It's like I've seen Paris, France. It compare it fails in comparison to Paris of Paramount and so like on a movie set and everything. And I'm like, babe, if you really want to make a movie called Paramount Paris, go over to Paramount to do it because they made a show called The Offer, which is about Paramount sucking its own dick for their love of The Godfather. If you wanted to make something about Paramount, go to Paramount. They love that stuff. Weird that you got Warner Brothers to sign off on that because I guess, I, no, actually, I do guess Warner Brothers is kind of in like that arms race to get all these creators now. You know, they just lost Nolan. They have a couple other guys who aren't making big deals with them. I don't think Jordan Peele's over there. He's doing a thing with Universal we'll talk about later. And Spielberg's got his thing with Universal for the Fableman. So I guess if you are desperate for that, even though you've been kind of bleeding yourself dry with these other franchises, having the rom-com alternative is not a bad idea. I'm interested to see how that's going to go. So Netflix scrapped it. Too much money. But Gray Man was good for some people or whatever. Now we're going to get Paramount Paris coming to Warner Brothers. Which is, okay, cool. I'm for that. I want to see these big budgeted movies again. And it's kind of exciting. So cool. We got a new Tarantino movie in the works. We now got a new Nancy Myers movie in the works. What would another famed director be doing that would excite us? Well, the other day, uh, Zack Snyder took to Twitter or... What's it? What? Vero? Vero? What, is that what the weird thing he calls? He made a cryptic message. It's like incoming from Lord Darkseid. And it's like, boo, 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 boo. Oh, shit. The internet collectively went, oh, man, he's doing something in the Snyderverse. We're, we're releasing the Snyder Cut. We're, we're selling it to the Netflix. You know, that kind of bullshit. Everyone just jumped on the bandwagon like, gun got him back. We're finishing off the Snyder arc. All, all that kind of shit. Actually, what happened was he was like, I'm going to be doing a screening of Man of Steel, BVS, and Justice League in the end of April. And everyone's like, okay, cool. That I mean, cool, right? Right? Is that cool? I don't like any of those movies too much. So obviously I'm not going to watch or, or pay money to see them again. But I, I, I do appreciate Snyder understanding there are people out there interested in this. I do think he has come around a lot on this franchise. And he's like, well, I I should support this because these people supported me. That's kind of nice. I guess. Is it anything? Is it anything, though, I ask you? Do people genuinely get excited for that? I don't know. But cool, man. Awesome. I, I don't really care. <laughs> I don't. I don't really care about any of this, if I'm being honest, but good for you. You're a good guy. I support you a lot. I'm very excited for Rebel Moon. We'll talk about Rebel Moon when that movie comes out. I'll probably talk more about Snyder leading up to Rebel Moon. I I don't know, man. Here's the thing. Here's okay. I, I do want to I do want to touch on this now because we are leading up to Rebel Moon. Do you think this movie's gonna be subtle in any way? Now, I know. Snyder has said Rebel Moon is going to be his Star Wars. It's like it's a big empire thing. There's clearly like evil people destroying this moon. Do you think this movie is going to have any subtlety? Is everything going to be so obvious and on the nose that the bros who have been obsessed with him for years are like, this is how you do it. And all that Star Wars hokey bullshit where it's like Andor has just been like, you know, coding you in some secret message about propaganda. Do you think that's going to be the case or are people going to be like, wow, dude, 
you really made it obvious who's the bad guy and who's the hero. It is black and white. It is just so obvious. I hope it's either of those things because I want to see Snyder make something that's clearly a good guy being a bad guy or a bad guy and good guy thing or just nothing at all. I can't wait to see that. I do think there's a possibility this is going to be one of the most on-the-nose movies out there. Cool. <laughs> That's cool. But moving away from that again, we do go back to the world of Netflix, surprisingly. I guess they just don't want to give female directors a chance. Hmm, Netflix? Hmm? But Guillermo del Toro is still looking at what he's going to do next after his Pinocchio movie. He has set up, like, he's going to be working on another stop-motion project over here. There's a potential for his next live-action movie to be a Netflix movie or a Netflix retelling of the story of Frankenstein. Of course, of course, that's the case. I have never seen a man so obviously obsessed with that genre of classic horror, classic stories than Guillermo del Toro. Now, I will watch anything that man does. I think he's a sweetheart and a cute little boy. I love him to death. But here's what excites me about his, like, potential Frankenstein movie. Andrew Garfield may be as the Dr. Frankenstein. You're like, okay, Andrew Garfield and him. That's an interesting combination. Maya Goth as the love interest. I'm like, dude, I'll watch Maya Goth do anything. She is a sweet soul and a crazy person. Some of the most insane performance work I've seen in a long time comes from her. And Oscar Isaac. Now, they didn't specify what Oscar Isaac's role could be. But could you imagine the internet seeing Oscar Isaac, Andrew Garfield, and Maya Goth all on screen together in some capacity from a Del Toro picture? That's a lot of hotties. A lot of hotties. I think that'd be really cool to see. That might be the hottest movie ever made. Sexy people making a hot movie about reanimating a corpse. What more do you want? Genuinely like that a lot. Genuinely like that a lot. I think that's going to be a really cool thing to see. Now, switching away from there, because we just kind of have to. Guess what, folks? Guess what? It's official. James Gunn is directing the Superman movie. We kind of knew this already. I don't want to spend too much time on it. It makes a lot of sense. Of course, he was going to. Cool. I'm excited to see how that's going to go. Good director. Has a clear vision. He's not always that, like, uh, you know, quippy, whippy, blue, blah, blah stuff. He's got some heart to him. Not saying... Superman can't have that quippy, whippy, hoopla-blah stuff. But it's a different type of hoopla-plah than what you see from Guardians or Suicide Squad. I think it's really cool. I think it's really exciting. Kind of fun. Can't wait to see what he's going to do. Super excited to see the cast leading up to that movie because I just know we're going to have some really cute unknown pull up. I'm more excited to see what they're going to do for Clark than they are for Superman because I know how Superman's going to go. We're going to get like a stoic guy to look tough and big and intense. But when you get a little guy to play Clark, he's a little goofy, a little bit shy. That's when you know you found the right actor. So that's going to be really fun to see. And let's move away from there because before I was recording this, there was a couple of pieces of news that broke that I think are very interesting. And a couple things, I don't know how much time I want to dwell on them, but I think we might have to. So the first one is, Jordan Peele has set up a new movie to release next year. This time, next year is not when the movie comes out. I was just, I don't know why I was like, next year at Christmas time is what I meant to say. Jordan Peele's fourth movie? Is it his fourth now? Get Out, Us, Nope. Yes, his fourth one will be releasing Christmas Day 2024. 
a few days after the release of Avatar 3 and Sonic the Hedgehog 3. Now, I'm going to guess two of those movies might move later or earlier. So I don't want to like say when a good time for appeal to release his movie is. But from what we've seen this year, so looking at this year, if I were Jordan Peele, I would say maybe move it to March of 2025. But that, don't they have a Fantastic Four movie coming out around that time too in 2025? Look, I think Sonic will be fine where it's at. That's a good alternative to the Avatar stuff. I, I, I do, I guess, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how Avatar 3 does in comparison because... Is it going to work a second time having the billion dollar franchise pick up that way? Or is that going to be where it falls flat? Going to be very interesting to see how that one goes. You can see it going either way. Uh, I, I guess Christmas time isn't bad for a Jordan Peele movie. I I really liked Nope's summer release, but I understand how maybe you don't want to try that again. If you release your other movie, which might be a little more quiet. Because obviously the time of Halloween is going to be crowded. Thanksgiving is going to be crowded. Getting that winter break and having you being as like the alternative to Avatar, I think there's something smart there. So if we could see like Avatar, Sonic, and Jordan Peele's new movie being the three that hold over from November to the January season, that's not a bad way to go into 2025. I just don't know if that's going to be a good position for him or a flop. His production company, Monkey Paw, also has a movie releasing next year in September. So that's uh, his production team has another movie coming out at that time. That's going to be really cool to see. Can't wait to see how that's going to go. And there is one more piece of news. I do. I have to talk about this because it's utterly amazing to me. Just broke like literally minutes before I'm recording this. Victoria Alonso, executive producer on a lot of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Disney projects, she is stepping away from the company. She's exiting her role at Marvel Studios. Whoa. Okay, this is, this, I think this is major, and I don't want to get too speculative, like, tinfoil hat with everything, but there's so much to, like, think about with this. This is, like, one of the biggest departures from the company on that type of scale. We have, like, yes, directors have quit, directors have left working with them, but this is just a bigger scale. Like, she is a producer that has been there from the early days. 17 years of the company, she has been working at that part of the thing. She has produced some of the movies, all of, I would say the majority to most all of them. She has been there for so long. I am just genuinely curious how this is going to go. There, there's a bunch of things about this that kind of just, like, not worry me, but just get me like, oh, I don't know how this is going to go. She is a major female producer in the industry, producing some billion-dollar properties, and she's stepping away. It worries me a lot because it's like, okay, was she the factor that was making some of these things work, or what component was she really playing in this machine? Now, I don't, I don't want to be like an asshole about everything, but you could see this going a couple of ways. Was she the scapegoat? It's like, oh, our machine wasn't working right because of what Victoria was allowing us to produce and forcing us to put into this specific motion. And now because of that, we're exiting. We're shuffling a bunch of our TV shows around. We're making them go slower in production. We're getting things right. Or is she like, I am trying to do this the right way Nobody is letting that happen, so I do not want to keep playing this game. There are probably a bunch of reasons why. She's been at the company for 17 years. Maybe you want to do something new. I could see this kind of being like, oh, this is like 
a culling at the Marvel studio department if, look, okay, again, I don't want to be too speculative on this because I don't know all the facts, but I have been thinking for a long time, maybe Kevin Feige wants to take that bigger step, and part of that is making the Marvel department smaller, so maybe he wants to find some new creative control for the Marvel thing so he can step up and take over the role as like the actual head of the Disney Corporation. Again, I don't know if that's going to happen. Be silly if it did, but he's also recently in the past couple of years, I think with Hawkeye being the first project, he has kind of taken over the role of producer now. He's like solely producing things like that's officially like one of his titles now, not the head of the studio. He's a sole producer. Is he pushing out some of the other people so he can have more creative control? I don't want to make him the bad guy here. There's obviously a lot of stuff we don't know. I just think you could, you could, be, even if it's just coincidence that she is stepping down now, the time that this is dropping with poor reviews for the last movie, restructuring and shuffling within the Disney Plus brand of the Marvel stuff, and poor reception going on on a wide scale, you could see her being pinned as, oh, she is responsible for some of those bad choices. So now if we exit her, we're going to get some more audience approval or like, I don't want to play this game, so I'm leaving. It could be a bunch of things. It's very fascinating. Like the I, I honestly solely think the next couple of months for Marvel Studios are going to be some of the most interesting things we're going to see from this company. Because once we see Guardians 3 is done and it's well-received, that might be the last bastion of hope for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. James Gunn delivered a fantastic finale to his arc. He's going to do Superman next. And then we see, okay, when's the next show dropping? We don't know. Fuck, that sucks. That's all very interesting. I don't know how any of this is going to go. I hope we learn more about what she was doing and why she stepped down. If we don't, I get it fascinating to see where this is going to go i am genuinely curious at this news very interesting very interesting but we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to dive deeper into the world of apocalypse franchising because i had no other topic to talk about really So this idea came to me after the finale of The Last of Us. I was kind of like, oh man, is the success of this show going to usher in another era where we have to go back to the well of like apocalyptic world ending, something like that is always happening shows. I'm sure it is. This was really popular. The The Walking Dead universe is getting like three spinoffs this year alone. So we're kind of still in that era. But it's also like, why? What are we doing? But if we do want to keep doing these, and if these do become like the new norm, where it's like, oh, here's a big thing happening in a new world order where everything's ending, it's barren and destructive. What if like franchises need to opt into that category and start playing with that kind of stuff? So I was like, okay, well, let's do something with that. I have broken this down. I have picked fifteen thrant. I have picked fifteen franchises. I have broken it down to three separate categories we have barren wasteland such a new world order all of something like mad max we have something is attacking us all the time something like i am legend or just a zombie movie and we have wow this is happening in real time your cloverfields your 2012s end of the world big disaster things you know three categories five in each category franchise to talk about 
cool stuff all around. It's the end of the world. Let's celebrate it. I'm going to give you a couple of movies that we could see being made. Who knows, though? Anything is possible. Right? It's filmmaking, baby. It's filmmaking. Let's start with The Wastelands slash New World Order. This is the category that's a little bit different. It kind of runs into like the similar vein as like something is attacking us all the time. But this one's different because there isn't something attacking us all the time. It's just stuff out there. So we have a couple things. First off, I like the Flintstones. I wanted to do something involving the Flintstones. If we're going to be ushering in a new era of Flintstones ideas... Why not one where they're in a post-apocalyptic world of some kind? It could be the Ice Age. What if we took the concept of like the Stone Age modern family who saw their entire world get wiped out by meteorites and a new age was ushered in through ice and they're struggling to survive in that capacity? It could be a comedy if you wanted it to be. Or it could just be a series like, here's the cavemen learning to live in this era. A different type of feel with characters you know. What is the new world looking like? Who knows? It could be disastrous. It could be great. But it's the Flintstones, the Stone Age Modern Family. They're doing okay. Now, here is one I have been thinking about for a while. Picture the scene for a minute, will you? Look at us on our big old Mad Max contraptions and vehicles. We have the Doof Warrior blasting his fire out of his guitar. Now, picture this. The same premise for Mad Max... But instead of villains and humans of disgusting nature being the enemies, what if it was just a bunch of Muppets? What if instead of the Doof Warrior blasting his guitar, it was Animal bashing on his drums on the electric mayhem vehicle? They're all chasing. In my perfect world for this movie, the one human in this Muppet Fury Road movie would be the Mad Max character. And then all of the other characters are just different ideas of Muppets and like different contraptions the Muppets are willing to use stuff. You have the electric mayhem vehicle. You could have Gonzo having a one of like a big cannonball he shoots out of to latch onto the person. You could have maybe Kermit's trying to be like the only sane person in this world. He's like, no guys, what are we doing? This is weird. It's the same movie. You make the same movie as Mad Max Fury Road, but you throw the Muppets in there. You just have them in the roles. Leads to some devastation, some broken stuff happening all the time. It's pretty cool. It's pretty fun. It's kind of quirky. Be great. We, we need to get back into that era of like the Muppets ripping on more stuff because they haven't done it for a while, you know? But if they did this, if we did like, what if Warner Brothers, what if we just took like everything that was made and is ripped on it with the Muppets, you know, like a cinematic universe of Muppets doing stuff. This is a great one to do it. Mad Muppet Fury Road. Be really fun just to see all those characters on their different vehicles, having a great time. Maybe they sing songs as they come down after you. Maybe Miss Piggy's like a road warrior and she's got her own vehicle and she's like not w associated with them, but she like doesn't like, you know, work with the Mad Max character and she's just like, yeah, there's so much, there's so much to explore there. The Muppets are all chaotic enough where they fit into that umbrella of unique designs and weird characters doing stuff in that umbrella. So they should do it. They should be a part of that world. I think it would be really fun. They should do it. Do it, Muppets. Do it. Be really fun. Mad Muppet Fury Road. Let's make it. 
My other one here, the Disney princesses. They are characters we all know. This one isn't like solely one property, but if you took the Disney princesses, put them in a post-apocalyptic world of whatever variety you care to do, it could be any type of, of thing. We've seen them all work together in movies before, like Ralph Breaks the Internet, a, a movie I don't really love. But if you just said, like, okay, there is, like, this new dystopian world, maybe all of, like, these separate kingdoms are run by these separate women, and we see how they interact in this new thing. It could be kind of like House of the Dragons-ish. It's like, here's the underwater world that Ariel's now in charge of. Here's the, like, makeshift ice castle that Elsa's a part of. Just have these women come together in a dystopian world where they have to protect their people from whatever evils lurked and destroyed the rest of mankind. And it'd be, you could even do it like just separately, like once upon a time adjacent where it's not like really the Disney characters, but we know who they are enough to know what we're doing here. Or it could just be simple, you know, here it is. Here's just like us ripping on the last of us. But instead of like Joel and Ellie, you know, it's Anna and Elsa. It's just like Snow White and one of the dwarves or something. Could be like that. Might be fun. Might be something to explore. Or, you know, how about this one? Seinfeld, but it's it's the end of times. Stupid. <laughs> I know. Just to, Okay, just imagine it for a minute. Picture, like, Y2K actually wiped everything out. The world went into chaos. We were destroyed. Destruction all around us. Like, an end of times thing happened right at the end of Seinfeld. They continued on after the events, and it's just Jerry Seinfeld, and it, it's his entire world, and it's like... Man, you can't get any good seeds anymore to grow stuff because of all this, like, radioactive waste, and he's just having to freak out like that. And, you know, George is like, I was, I was approached by this rebel lady, but I don't know if I believe in her cause or something like that. Or, you know, Kramer's just like, it's something with Newman. I don't know what it is. He's he just turning into a mutant. That kind of just stupid shit. It's an SNL skit for sure, but there's something there, you know? It's kind of funny, even if it's not just, like, Seinfeld. But those care th that trope, the sitcom trope in the post-apocalyptic world, there's something funny to explore with that. It's not something we see a bunch of, but it does work, and it is something that we have played with. There's something there, at least. There's something there that is worth experiencing, worth having fun with. Now, this is something that has been made into an SNL sketch, but I'm changing it up a little bit. We saw them do The Last of Us, but it's Mario. Here's mine, The Last of Us, but it's Looney Tunes. Hmm, that could be fun. What would the threat be that instead of, like, fungus, it turns them into, I don't know, maybe Gosmer or whatever that is, something else, you know, just like a Martian thing, something gross. Turns them into something stupid. You could easily just have, like, Bugs and Daffy be, like, the Joel and Tommy role. You can find, just one of them have, like, a kid, I don't remember. Porky, I guess, could be your Ellie or something. You could just have, like, like, it works to that narrative. You could have Wiley e. Coyote just be like you know, a scary guy coming around hunting people, that kind of thing. There's something fun there. We we need, we desperately need the Looney Tunes to be reinvigorated in today's climate. It's the same thing as I just said with the Muppets. If you want to reinvent these characters, rip on the things that you can. If you want to do Muppet Mad Max, do it. Looney Tunes Last of Us, The Loons of Us or something. That's a stupid way to put it. The Last of Tunes or something. I don't know. There's something to do there. It's kind of cute, kind of stupid, but worth exploring. 
And that's our wastelands, the barren wastelands, the Flintstones, the Muppets, the Princesses, the Seinfelds, and the Looney Tunes. What are they going to do? But guess what? That's not all because something is attacking us all the time. What could it be? I like this category a lot. I had a lot of fun with this one. It gave me a lot of cool ideas like the Universal Monsters, a, a group of characters that Universal wants to do something with. They don't know how to do it. Well, here's an easy way to do it. It's set in some unknown time, the future, the present, the past, you name it. Uh, the only characters that we know are left alive are people like Frankenstein, the Wolfman, the Invisible Man, the Creature, the Bride, the, the, the Hunchback if you want, the Phantom if you want, those types of characters, the Mummy, those characters, and Dracula. But here's the thing, Dracula is evil. And he has turned the world into vampires, but these special people, these powerful characters with their own their own problems going on, they can't be turned into vampires. So maybe they find, you know, I've always said like you could find a hero in some of these characters that have traditionally been the villain. You could easily pick somebody from that category and make them like a lead. They find like the last bastion of humanity and now they're like, we have to protect you and save you from the vampires. And then if you just want to see like the Wolfman team up with Frankenstein and the Bride as they fight a horde of vampires, that's how you do it. You check every box. You check every box, Universal. It's that easy. Or change it up. It could be Dracula's a good guy and he has to fight werewolves. It could be that maybe they have to fight the undead army raised by the mummy or something like that. They could be zombies created by Dr. Frankenstein, and we see that the monster and the bride have to team up and get all these other heroes together in order to stop this horde. It's that easy. You just make one of them the villain and the other one's the hero. It's that easy, Universal. I don't know what the fuck you're doing. I could write this movie in a year. I'll do it, though. Universal, I'll do it. I'll also do this one. I don't know who owns the rights to this one currently. You know what movie I really like? And a movie I'm just, I'm waiting. I am waiting for this franchise to get that big revival that they've been talking about forever. The Warriors. A bunch of cool characters trying to get back to their home. And they all have distinctive costumes and outfits. Well, what if they had to fight zombies? You know, New York is infested with, with disease in these characters. They have to get to their home in Coney Island because it's going to be safe there. There's like a protection there. The Warriors, same movie, same movie, basically, but maybe the other gangs are infected as zombies and they have to fight through it, or it's like in the future and the Warriors are like a, a group of like heroes within the zombie world that are seeking protection, you know, that kind of thing. It's easy. I mean, it's so simple just to do the Warrior story again because you could easily do that. But what if they had to fight something more supernatural? Oh my God, it's zombies. Pretty cool, pretty cool. Here's a good one, too. We talked about the Flintstones. They're stuck in the Ice Age. Well, what if we took, what if we did, like, a twisted little, like, you know, takedown of society? We're just like, this is what society's come to, man. And it's the Jetsons versus evil AI technology. What if sometime in the future... Humanity got so reliant on technology and artificial intelligence to do everything for them. Create photos, create artwork, just create creation. 
that now humanity is overrun with the artificial intelligences that are doing everything for them, that they no longer believe humanity is worthy of existing. It's a look at society, man. We're too relied on technology, man. But what if the Jetsons, man, they had to like deal with this stuff because they have like a grandmother made robot who's like, this is weird. Look what you people have done. The future sucks. I hate all of this. You're so reliant on technology that you ruined your own life. There's something there, something in that. Not much, but you get it. I mean, there's something in that. I just like Hanna-Barbera stuff, and I am jonesing for the Flintstones and Jetsons to get that big push again. We can we can do the Scooby-Doo gang every other week in every other format, but God forbid somebody tries to do something with the Jetsons. God forbid. They are a takedown of society, so if they have to fight... <laughs> what's the chat GPT or whatever it's called? If they have to fight that... God forbid, right? I don't know. I don't know. Here's a fun one. It's kind of exciting. The world is overrun with something. It's attacking us all the time. Well, what if Jumba... Is the name Jumba? Yeah. What if Jumba didn't just create 626 experiments? What if he created millions and they all came to Earth and started overpopulating the Earth, and Earth was overrun of the experiments of Jumba, and Lilo and Stitch had to, like, live in, like, this destructive world where all of these things just kept happening. These these experiments just showed up and have taken over the world. Various sizes, various places across Earth, just things you couldn't control. Stitch is, like, one of the only good ones, you know? Is that anything? I just thought it'd be cool to have, like, a monster one, like, with a bunch of, like, kid-themed stuff, like, oh, man, we can't even leave our house without all these things happening. Ah, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? I don't know what we're gonna do. There's too many monsters. It's scary. We're unhappy. This doesn't work like it should. Nothing is working. But this one is the one I really like the most. It goes into my Mad Muppet Fury Road pitch. I love puppets. I want more I want puppet stuff to rip on other things more and more every day. Something is attacking us all the time. One bastion of humanity or humanity I say in quotations left alive. But what is attacking us all the time? Here's what's attacking us all the time. Evil fraggles. This is I am legend, but instead of weird vampire things attacking Will Smith, it's mutated freaky Frankel people attacking the last doozer. It could be Cotterpin. If you want it to be Cotterpin, I would choose Cotterpin. You could call it I am Cotterpin. And it's just, oh my God, these Fraggles are not just lazy anymore. They're bloodthirsty. They are hungry. They are scary. Maybe it, it could be that dark and twisted, or it could be as simple as, oh shit, I'm the last honest worker in this Fraggle Rock community. And everyone is trying to convert me across the world and doing in this destructive thing where I just have to sit back and relax and I'm no longer a doozer. It could be that. Or if you want to get weird with the I Am Legend thing, the plot of I Am Legend, specifically the plot, but instead of Will Smith, it's just traveling Uncle Matt. That's it. The same movie, but it's him. And he's like, oh shit, the I got to get back to the Fraggle world. Humanity just fell apart in front of me. 
Wouldn't that be epic as fuck? Wouldn't that be... Oh, my God. I, I'm, I love the Fraggles. I love the Fraggles so much. And I just want to see them do something crazy. Something stupid. They're not really like the parody one as compared to like Sesame Street or the Muppets. But you could do something with the Fraggles if you really wanted to. And I really want to. So maybe we should. Maybe we should. Who knows? Now, one more category to go. This one is, wow, this is happening in real time. It's a disaster movie. This one was kind of fun. I wanted to find something crazy. This one is a more darker category because you kind of have to like be in the moment as it is happening. So while there's some children's themes in these stories, they are very much dark pieces of literature that we're exploring. Like we saw the dawn, we saw the rise, we saw the war, we're going to see the kingdom. What about the end of the Planet of the Apes? We follow in real time the deconstruction, the, the devastation, the breaking point of the Planet of the Apes universe. We're seeing them fall in real time. Uh-oh, not just politically. Maybe there's a huge war that kills them all. Not just between the humans and the apes, but between apes themselves. Maybe we just see they've come so technologically advanced they kill themselves. It's about society, man. We're just doomed to fail, man, you know? That's kind of sick. That's kind of sick. It's kind of sick. Just saying. Or maybe this. I love a good found footage movie. I think Cloverfield was really inventive when it came out. What about that? But it's a Sharknado, right? We're not just following like our hero Finn Shepard being a Sharknado killer. What if we are just watching this random group of people? They're at a party one day and suddenly they're looking out the balcony. There's a big tornado forming. And they're like, oh shit, it just sucked up the ocean. It's picked up some Sharknados. We're filming this on our iPhone and on our GoPros and on our Huawei's. And then boom, boom, boom. We're running through the city as a Sharknado attacks. People all around us are getting eaten by Sharknados. Wouldn't that be cool? That'd be freaking dope. You tell me that wouldn't be worth seeing. You can't because you know I'm right. That would be the coolest thing to ever happen to film. And again, just like the Universal Monsters pitch, if you're listening, whoever owns the Sharknado rights, I am willing to write this script tomorrow, take a year to finish it, and we can be filming by 2025. If you, if you really want to do this. I know you do. We could do it. We could do it. Just saying. You know what else would be really cool that we could do? The land before times, but it dies. <laughs> this is where I'm like, oh God, what am I what am I doing with my life? When I'm sitting here telling you the land before times, but everyone dies in the end? Oh boy. Wouldn't that be good though? Our characters are happy, they're healthy, and then boom, meteorite, boom, kills Spike or something. Boom, everyone's dying. How are we going to survive? It's like the Flintstones one, but it's the dinosaurs dying in real time. Would be sick, would be twisted as fuck, but would be kind of cool to see. Tell me it wouldn't. Tell me you wouldn't enjoy seeing what that could be looking like. I know you would. Well, that kind of theme too, we're going to move over to the world of Godzilla. I want, I've always wanted to find something to do with Godzilla. Well, what about this? What if we're just watching humanity lose itself to kaijus coming about and fighting each other? It's, it, there's nothing we can do anymore. It's like a natural disaster. It, it's, it's like 2012. It's like, oh man, the world's falling apart. Earthquakes, tornadoes, volcanoes erupting. 
But instead, it's like, oh, man, Godzilla was just fighting this thing. And then another thing showed up. And then another thing came from the Earth. And things were falling from the sky. And we just we just can't keep doing this. The world is breaking apart as all of these kaijus are fighting each other. We can't win this anymore. It's too late for us. All we have to do is sit back and watch as our world is destroyed by a giant dinosaur fighting another dinosaur and a big plant. What are we to do? There's nothing we can do. We're done for. Godzillas keep happening. Godzillas keep happening, folks. They can't stop them. You cannot stop a Godzilla. What are you going to do? You can't stop them. It's crazy. It's crazy. You know what else is crazy? Our last one to talk about, because this is what I'm like, yeah, you know, this could be kind of fun. Do you remember that episode of The Simpsons where, like, the dolphins take over? Well, what if we saw that, but it was, like, happening in real time? <laughs> oh, man. Look, I played a lot of the Simpsons game when I was a younger man. It was one of those ones I always played because it's, like, the only game I still technically own for my PS2. There's a level in that game where the dolphins take over. And ever since playing that game, I have thought about that episode numerous times. I've thought about that scene numerous times. And I'm like, that would make a really good movie. It has influenced more of my writing than I ever thought possible. I love seeing dolphins. Look, I'm just coming off of my orca high where I saw an orca kill people. And I love a good Sharknado, clearly. But what if we did dolphins this time? What if it was, what if it was dolphins this time? That could be pretty cool. That could be pretty cool. Just saying. There's something in that. We should look at it more. Just saying. Could be kind of fun. Let's do it. And that's it, man. The apocalypse has come for this channel. It has come for all of these cre these creatures and people and weird shit. Weird stuff, man. You should have stopped me from talking anytime. But this is what happens when I, I can go unfiltered. I can just be like, but what if... Frankenstein monster with good guy. What if like the princess is and Seinfeld live in the apocalypse? That's what I can do. When I am unfiltered, that is what I am capable of. And, th and that's what we just did. So, hey, thank you all for watching this episode of The Geek Wave. If you have any suggestions for your own franchise in the apocalypse, please let me know. If not, be sure to like and subscribe to the channel. If you're listening to this on the podcast feed, giving us a rating would be really nice to see. As always, you can check me out on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And if not, I will catch you in the next one. Have fun. Stay safe. Good luck.